Hi, friend, and welcome. I'm Marilyn Neese. Thank you for joining my podcast, Express Light. I believe we each have a unique gift and ability. Being created by nature, I had the desire to start my own business, and I know firsthand how important it is to blend creativity and business together. It has not always been easy for me, but I have successfully built my boutique serving people from all over the world. Because of my experience, I am passionate about helping others like myself who are looking to express light in their own lives through their gift, skill, or talent, and make a living doing it. If that's you, tune in each week as I provide tips, interview those who are successful in their craft, as well as share enlightening stories of how to build a business as a creative entrepreneur. Welcome to Express Light. Hello and welcome back to Express Light. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, I am with Brandon Heinz with the Now Academy, and he is your go-to when you are looking to really understand and know the brand direction that you want to take when you want to make an impact on the world. When you truly want to make your mark on this world and you need a mentor, that's what I do. And you're good at it. Fucking amazing. (laughs) I think I've always been good at heart, but I was so hard as a child, right? Because I grew up very poor and very in a town that was falling apart at the seams. I, I mean, I tell people some of my stories when I'm a kid and they think that I'm like trying to give them my sob story, but it was actually true. Like two of my best friends went to prison for murder who actually lived with me at one point in time in their life. Both of them, I feel like I held them strong, right? I had these friends that were my best friends and we were inseparable. We all had messed up lives, but yeah, I had a roof over my head, even though there may not have been power or water or any of that, but there was a roof mm-hmm. with a fireplace. And my mom was very homely country style. We could live off a wood burning stove, but yet we still had it better than some of the other kids. Mm-hmm. So when we were young, it was one of those things where I hung out with a lot of kids who were family like a hundred percent, my brothers, we loved each other. We were very affectionate and hugs and being brothers and protecting each other. So growing up, I had a lot of really tough friends mm-hmm. and just like my boys, I was bigger. So I was already six foot two by freshman year. And my seventh grade year, I rode the bus with the high school kids. So all my best friends were already sophomores. So they were three years ahead of me in grade. And a lot of them just got into a lot of trouble. And I realized the one time I got in trouble, that's not what I wanted in my life. Mm -hmm. I spent 90 days in juvenile hall for fighting. And I was working at a ski resort trying to be an entrepreneur and like sitting in this ticket booth and knew that I had gotten into a lot of trouble in the last year and a half. And all of a sudden the sheriff walks up and was like, hey, you know how to get to run number four? And I'm like, I step out of the booth and he handcuffs me. He's like, you're under arrest for felony assault. Three counts. And at that moment, I knew I was changing my life. Mm. I already had the entrepreneur spirit. I had just gotten back from living in Oregon at age 14. or I think I was 15. I went up there, got a job at the ski resort, and went all the way with snowboarding and just went for it. I was working three different jobs, putting myself through high school, living with a roommate who was only 17, how they gave us a house back then. We had this beautiful two-bedroom house right at the Mount Maker, down at the, down at the baseline in Hood River. 
I was working at Bird Boys, a sub shop, and Mount Hood Ski Resort, literally 40-something hours a week and snowboarding at night. Living the dream life of a young person, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, whatever motivated me to check myself into school when I got there, I don't know if it was girls, like, I need to find all the women in this town. <laughs> They're at the high school. I'm going to high school. So I went to high school and, like, got in, right? And I had moved there. My hair was probably down to like right here. I had very long hair, always wore it back in a ponytail. And I knew I had to like pull my shit together. And I went right into the barber shop and just cut it all off. Mm. And was like, I'm doing it. I'm going in. I'm going to build a career from right from 15 years old on. And I went for it. And then I was there for a year. And another one of my friends had died in a drunk driving accident in California. Mm -hmm. And they pulled me back to California for the funeral, and I never returned back to Oregon. I literally, I like paid my last month's rent and left. Went back up there to move, and that was it. And then from that point on, it was entrepreneurial spirit had literally ignited within me. Did you have a relationship with your family all that time, or were you kind of not really? I didn't really know my father. Um, I had lived with him for about six months my freshman year. Because my mom was like, he's going to get into a lot of trouble up here. We don't have anything to provide for him. He had this extra room. He was like, we don't know each other. Let's get to know each other. That lasted about six months. And I realized I'm going to get another job and get the hell out of Sacramento. So I moved out of the, I loved living in the mountains. Mm -hmm. So the city just wasn't for me. So I went up to Pollock Pines, which is a small little town outside of Lake Tahoe. And I opened up my very first restaurant. I was so young, they would, I had to fight to even be on the ownership because the liquor license wouldn't allow me to be in it. How fun. <laughs> They're like, you can't have a 15-year-old 30% owner. Mm. That's against ABC rules. And I was like, well, figure it out. So finally, after about six months, and we were doing really well in the restaurant, that the local chamber and everybody kind of went to bat for me. And ABC said, fine, you, can, you can, cannot profit from alcohol but you can profit from paychecks on the business. So you guys can work that out. They got it all done. And that was like my first, I guess, conflict in being an entrepreneur, right? was I found a solution around that. And I started working with people to make things happen, even if things are against me, right? So ABC was like, you can't be an owner. But yet that restaurant wasn't going to be anything without my background and mindset of making it strive. Right. What was it that clicked that made you say, I've got to change? Um, I think what clicked in me for like 100% stay out of trouble was when I went to juvenile hall. And being 15 locked up, I think I was 16 that year. I was locked up and the first month was just, I couldn't even figure out what I was going to do. I was freaking out like I'm in a cell they're not going to let me out they're trying to give me a year in jail and I had this probation officer assigned to me and he basically came to me and he's like so what are you going to do man mm. I know all your friends I'm their probation officer they're all done mm. he, he named my best friend and he said seven years of his life has been gone he was in juvenile hall at 10 years old in and out, 11, three months here, six months there, one year in a CYA ranch. I mean, just all the shit that had hit the fan. And he goes, are you going to change or is this your life too? Okay. And there was a, a counselor there 
and he was like six foot five, big black guy. He would just come up to me and like there was hardly any any black guys in our hometown. And he was like full on basketball player from Oakland, working in a mountain juvenile hall with a bunch of freaking poor white kids. And he was just telling us like, get your shit together. And yeah. he would say it all the time. And at that point, I got out on good behavior about 60 days in. So they wanted me to do six months of the sentence. The probation officer was fighting for me. The He went to court for me, like literally showed up and said, look, this kid doesn't have an attorney. He's got this public defender that doesn't care what happens to him. He was working. He was in trouble. He had all the, look at these jobs he's had. He's had four jobs in a row. Let this kid get a break. And the judge is like, how's the behavior record? And from the second week I was in there, I just started working in juvenile hall and putting in jobs, mopping floors, cleaning kitchens, whatever I could do to earn points so that I could go in and study. And I did so much homework in six weeks in the juvenile hall. When I got out, I was a half a grade ahead of all my classmates. Wow. That's <laughs> awesome. So do you think you've always had, like, have you always had that drive to, like, have a work ethic? You know what I mean? Like. I did always. So when I was nine years old, I would leave my school and I would ride up to this hamburger joint and I'd be like, Hey bro, I'll smash all these boxes for you. And I just want a hamburger sandwich, you know, a hamburger fries and a Coke. And he goes, I'll do better than that. I'll pay you $2 and quarters so you can play my video games, which was just going back into his own pocket. Mm -hmm. And I'll feed you lunch every day that you come up here and destroy all these boxes and tidy up the perimeter of the property. And I was thinking, oh, that was probably worth five bucks, but I took it. So I was getting a $5 meal and $2 and quarters. So I was up there riding my bike. School would get out. I rode straight to the, the hamburger place and did all the work for him. And this was like literally the entrepreneur kickoff. Mm -hmm. So then I went two restaurants down. So I'd do their house at 2 or their place at 2.30. Then I would do the pizza place. Then I would do the little BLT, it was called the Haven Restaurant. I would smash all their boxes. So every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I was smashing boxes for two straight hours. And I was making like 15 bucks a day plus a meal. <laughs> I was like, all right, this is how you do it. You just go make money. So you find a need, you fill it, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing for me was desire, right? So even now, as I look back, I was very good at visioning what I wanted right. and kind of looking into who I wanted to be. And the other day I was listening to an Ed Milet show and he used to talk about like, I used to walk down this beach with my father and we were, we, they were, they weren't rich. And he would say, I wonder what the guy in that house does every day. And I started thinking from that perspective is like, I knew there were people that were way ahead of where my family was. Mm -hmm. I knew there were people out there that were doing great things. And I just started thinking about what do I want to do? Like, what will, what will I be like? And I heard this message the other day, which made me think back to when I was a kid. What if you introduce yourself to the person you could have been mm. the day you reach heaven, right? Mm -hmm. What if that moment, it says, this is who you should have been, but you took these choices. Almost like the, what is that, the Christmas carol, right? Where it's like the, the past, the Christmas present, all these little ghosts show up and they show you what would happen if you were never born. What would happen if you never made that mistake? And I heard this and I was thinking about it and I was, I was on the treadmill and I was like, man, that was crazy that he thought that. And I can't remember whose podcast I was listening to, but 
he was saying, I don't want to meet that person and know that I never became him. Mm. And I keep thinking about that a lot. And you, and you know, you run into so many roadblocks that try to stop you. But what do you want? I was just going to say, you know, like my question was going to be like, what point did you start realizing the direction that you wanted to help other people? And I mean, your story kind of says that, like you went through a path of struggle and you went through a path of trying to find yourself and what you wanted. So now I understand your questions more like because of what you've been through, that's your mission and your passion. And I think it's the same for anyone who is you know, on the quest with that entrepreneurial spirit to try to find who they are and what they want to do to look back in your history and realize those questions. And I love, I'm going to let you talk about it because I love your, you know, what do you want? And then what is it going to do for you? And so like behind that, you know, how have you helped other people through that and through those questions and like even helped yourself really yeah, I mean, <laughs> I always say I'm not emotional, but sometimes I get emotional, right? So when you think about the shit that you go through in life, right, you have to want more. Right. And your subconscious mind is just there to protect you. It wants you to survive to that next step. So the more you start desiring things, the more you use your imagination. So like when we were on that yacht and the whole Bob Proctor uh, living the legacy was playing and he said you know your imagination is the best thing you could ever have right mm-hmm. well really it's just truly wanting more and, and desiring more and imagining that you could have more and then taking that to the next step right actually starting to pursue that happiness that goal that you really want and the more you think about it your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between one step and five steps in that goal. It doesn't know the difference between $1 and $1 million. It just knows the difference of how it feels to you. Right. And whether that fight or flight mode steps in. So when you start desiring something and you start imagining being that person and how that person lives and what would that person have to do? When I started looking at my, I called it the air game. Who do I want to be at the end of this five years? Mm-hmm. And I would imagine me as that person. And I would step into that moment for a a moment and say, okay, what does this person believe about himself? Right. What does this person, how did he get the confidence that he had to do these things, right? And when you actually start stepping in and thinking about that person that you want to be and start acting as that person, it's the same thing with all my coaches. If you truly want to make an impact and serve a thousand people this year, then you need to step into that person that's already doing that and then kind of like reverse engineer it, right? So you got your air game, but then you got to build the ground game steps to be that person every day. And it's not posting three times a day and going on TikTok. That's only one little facet of things that people do to get to those levels. It's actually having the commitment to stay focused mm-hmm. on what you desire and allowing yourself to have and accept what you desire So when I asked you in those meetings we were having, what do you want? Mm -hmm. And you would tell me, and I'd say, okay, what will having that do for you? And having that is the key piece, right? It's not that you can dream about things. Have you actually imagined yourself having that, right? I want this, and I'm going to truly imagine what it's like for me to have that. And I'm going to step into that me at that moment. 
And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lay in that moment for a minute, whether you're meditating or in the shower, whatever you're doing to step into that moment, laying in bed when you first wake up, going to bed, just thinking about having this in my life, what would that be like for me? And the more you think about having it, the key word is have and having, right? Your subconscious mind starts to think that it's okay to move towards that. And it stops stopping you. And it allows you to move towards it faster. And then now your conscious mind is actually putting goals and milestones in place for you so that you can have what you want. Now, do you just need to wrap, map it out and build your vision boards, all the good stuff? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But the first step is to realize that you want more. Really, you're saying believe. And I think that's, I mean, to really put yourself in that position, you have to believe that it's attainable and you have to believe in yourself to be able to, to, be able to go after it and that you can be there. Yeah. And, you know, me and you both agree that, you know, you have to have faith mm -hmm. and it's no different in your life than it is in your religion or in your spirituality. You have to believe that there's something more for you and you have to want that. Mm -hmm. If you don't want more, it's okay. Right. You can always go through the same mundane life and never change anything. And your subconscious mind will just sit there and make sure you survive it. Right. Oh, this is survivable. Let's mm -hmm. just keep doing this. But if every day you get up, and you add one cool affirmation. Like I remember when I was first going into online, I would get up every morning and I would brush my teeth and I'd be like, yes, teeth are brushed. I am a course creator. I am a course creator. I make an impact in the world. I change coaches' lives, one coach at a time, whoever's closest to me. And I would start doing those affirmations in the morning because I had to step into who I was about to be. Right. Because I've been teaching in hotel rooms three days a week, five days straight, 10-day blockout mentorship programs, live, all the time. But then it came the time to go online. Right. And now, was I going to make a biggest impact online as I did in the room, right? True. And imposter syndrome steps in. I was so just going to say, what do you do when that, like, that doubt starts coming in? You have to tell yourself something. Yeah, you do. What do you want? Yes. I want to be that person. I want to make a bigger impact and not serve 200 people in a hotel room. I want to serve 2,000 people that weekend. Right. So when you started thinking about that, the more people you help, right, the better off you're going to be. The quantum effect throughout the world, when you step into who you're supposed to be, is completely different when you just keep going through the ropes. Right. When you just keep taking the daily steps. I mean, I'm a husband, a father of three, and, I, and my life will just drag you through the weeds if you don't focus on what you want right. and actually pursue it. So oh. one of the biggest key things is taking action, right? Mm -hmm. Without action, there's no movement. Without movement, there's no momentum. And I think too, like you speak of the movement, I'll say this from a faith-based perspective, but I've always thought it's interesting that peace, you know, the, that the Bible talks about peace being like a river because there's no stillness in that, in a river, you know, that's motion, that's putting yourself in action. And I think when you're going in the direction you're meant to be, that's where you find that peace. And, it is. And, and there's been so many quotes from so many profound people, right? One of my favorites was Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. Be like water. Mm -hmm. Do not, the water is not going to stop because a rock hits, right? It's going to find a way around and it will build up till it goes right. over the rock. 
if a dam stops it, something has to release it somewhere, right? So there's all these ways of reframing who you truly are now into who you truly want to be. And that piece is probably the biggest obstacle I run into with anyone trying to make an impact in the world. They have to step into what they want and they have to start imagining what it's going to be like to be that person. Because then the daily checklist, the journaling, the gratitude, all the things that you do to make yourself better, all the personal development you work on, guess what? I'm going to leave in for this one. It actually starts to work. It clicks. Yes. So you're talking to the person who you were before you went to juvenile hall, that person that's, you know, maybe an entrepreneur, not necessarily a teen, but someone who feels very, very stuck, who feels angry or frustrated because of their circumstances. In that moment, what would you tell yourself or that person? This is the easiest question in the world. <laughs> Sounds so complex, right? Mm -hmm. Get mentors. Mm -hmm. look up to someone reach out to someone i mean i'm not the all-knowing right i'm trying to help my 15 year old start a little business that he wants to go after but he doesn't know what he wants to do yet right so the yeah. first thing i did i recorded a voice message this was literally this morning and i said hey guys uh happy holidays i am looking for a teen based business mentor for mm -hmm. my child He's 15, he's motivated, he's willing to put the work in. He wants to do something that can scale affiliate programs, drop shipping, tell me what you got. And I I stopped the message. I sent it to the person I was first thinking of. And then I copied it, you know how a messenger, you can hit forward and forward the same message over. I sent it to all seven of the mentors that I think would know that department. And literally four of them already responded back and gave me some really good ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So... You're that person who's in a place where you don't want to be. And I call this your unwanted present state. Okay, this isn't who you are right now. Right. Everything that you've done in your life has led you to this moment. But all you have to do is move mm -hmm. towards your desired state. So when you think about this, and I'm sitting in an unwanted present state, I just got to make some small shifts. It's not dramatic. I don't need to change everything in my life today. I need to start moving one thing forward towards the better. Right. And every day, just being 1% better than I was yesterday, one little change of what I didn't do yesterday well and do it better the next day. And, and really, those affirmations telling yourself, you know, a positive about the day that you maybe succeeded or just reminding yourself of the good things that you're going to be. Yeah, I won't even go to bed without thinking of two good gratitude quotes for the day like dude today was amazing like i got the christmas tree lights put up they look great right. boom celebration <laughs> i'm so grateful that uh the weather was good enough for me to do this today because two days before that what i put up had literally blown down the yard i this is my last year i'll ever do blow ups the gingerbread man flew down the yard ripped a hole through him i'm like that thing was 200 bucks oh. gone <laughs> but i celebrate that stuff right it doesn't matter how it's not some of us aren't as spiritually inclined as others. So just literally jump into bed and go, I'm grateful I'm still alive today. I'm grateful I had a chance to spend time with my kids. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that the, it's warm in this room. I'm yeah. grateful that it's cold in this room, but I have a room. Whatever it is you're grateful, just give yourself a few seconds at night and in the morning just to step into that gratefulness 
Because once you start powering that up, once you start doing that journaling, when you start doing those affirmations and you start filling yourself up to where you're like, some shit could happen today, but I'm going to stay positive. There's no room for the rest of it. I love how you've brought up journaling because I think it's really good to write the positives down so that you can look back and see how you've grown too. I love um, being able to look at the history of, you know, things that you've accomplished and how far you've come because sometimes you don't see it when you're in the moment, you know, you're overwhelmed with where you're at at the moment. You're not seeing all the steps you've made and the progress you've made. So, yeah. And, and I do an exercise. So like, like you can imagine this 200 people down at the Hyatt, right? And I lay out these seven cue cards and in step three of this little cue card, it's actually a walking timeline. You start moving towards what you desire and you take a step forward, right? But right when you take your second step forward, I always have them stop for a moment and I do a quick little, hey, I want you to look back over your shoulder and I want you to think about where you were in that unwanted present state. Right. I want you to think about how much further you've come. And I give up a few seconds and I say, okay, now, so I want you to understand something. Where you stood, the step you took, and the step where you are now, all of that makes you who you are today. And none of it can be left behind. Can you change some old shit for some new shit? Absolutely. Can you get rid of old baggage and put new new stuff in your baggage? Absolutely. You have those rights, right? Every day, and you hear this from so many different mentors, right? So many different gurus. You have choices. And when you change the choices that are on your menu, things change. Right. There, I have, I have fallen down so many times. I've had way more failed businesses than I do successful ones, right? I have three successful businesses right now. I've at least failed 20. I can count. Last time I counted, it was 27 failed corporations. But if you hadn't gone through all those, well, maybe I should put it this way. Having gone through all those has given you so much value to help other people. Yeah. You can redirect them if you see things. You've got insight from that. And that's just the thing, too, is like all of us out there that have this gift right now that we want to share. We are the experts of that experience. No one else. So when you differentiate yourself in the market, it's because of who you are and what you want. And when you start having what you want, you become more of who you want to be. And when you just keep moving towards that on a daily basis, you're moving towards what you truly want. And it, it, when I was younger, I would, I would outgrow so many friends and, and girlfriends a lot. Like I'm, if this person's not growing or at least supporting me in growth, then I'm not going to be around them. Mm-hmm. And my true core friends, my my fifth grade friend, the one I moved to Oregon with when I was in the seventh grade, eighth grade year, freshman year friends, they're all still my friends. Mm-hmm. And you had asked earlier, like, when did you know you wanted to help people? There was a big difference in helping people and carrying people. True. And yeah. I carried a lot of people throughout my career. And I think I was until I was in my 30s that I started realizing that it didn't suit me anymore. And that I still have trouble with it now. Another colleague will call me for a big event, be like, come help me. Next thing I know, I'm carrying like five bags of his work and I'm going, bro, I didn't sign on for this. Yeah. This is not what I wanted. This is what you wanted. And I agreed to help you because I'm a helper, right? Your heart passion is there. You know, like it's, it tugs your heart. But I think what I also see is 
not everybody's a leader, but you are. And when you are in a leadership position, you're always going to have people that follow you and are trying to learn from you. And it's a weight to carry. Yeah. And it, it was a hard um, belief system to break that you couldn't do it alone. Right. You always had to have someone else there. And I did, I had that belief structure for a long time through my twenties. It really resonated in because I'd have a big house and I'd let two or three friends live there for really low prices and they would abuse it. And I'd finally be like, Hey, we got to part ways, dude. You're not, you're not trying to grow. You're not trying to do anything. And you go through all these changes, right? And then you realize that this is what I truly need. Right. And if I truly want to be a father, right. Get married, have children then I can't keep being that person. If I truly want to be a coach that makes impact, then I got to stop doing all the dumb shit. I got to stop getting shiny object syndrome. I got to stop looking at people who haven't had that success. And I got to start working with people who do. And I got to start working with people and surrounding myself with people who want more in their life. It's 100% true. We are a product of our environment. And so, it doesn't matter what you're in, right? No. You're in a bad lighting room. Something affects you. You're in a light room that's too bright. It looks like a cafeteria. It bothers you. Your environment is definitely a place you've got to control. 100%. And I love how, you know, Raul talks about the five people that you surround yourself with. It's so true because I think the people that surround you are like you talked about your friends, you know. They're either going to build you up or they're taking you in directions you don't want to be. So it's important to like surround yourself with good company. Yeah. I mean, it, as adults, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to meet friends when you're a little kid, right? You just walk up like, hey, bro, what's up? You want to ride bikes? But then as an adult, like I, I dude, I love, I love Har Harleys, not really just Harleys, but like custom built bikes. Mm -hmm. And I joined this bike club and it was like, <laughs> It was not my cup of tea, right? So these friends are not like dudes that I would hang out with. They were more like girls on bikes. And I'm like, this is not my surrounding. I got to go somewhere different. So then I joined a car club, right? And I'm not a car guy. I like really nice cars, Ferraris, all that stuff. They're cool. But I also know that I'm really hard on my vehicles. My truck gets beat up. My wife's $150,000 car, I, she barely lets me drive it because I'm like, well, that's just a car. <laughs> but you know there's certain things that you have to do as an adult to put yourself in those positions it's just like we talked about earlier you have to imagine who you want to be and imagine the things that those person those people do right that person that you're imagining in that profile you got to step into it and i think when you imagine that you're also going to start recognizing other people in that field in that direction that you want to be and that's where you're going to gravitate to and that kind of goes back to who you surround yourself with. Speaking of, if someone wants to work with Brandon, where can they find you? BrandonHeinz.com. And then do you have, um, I know you talk about the Now Challenge, but you have a program that they can go through or? Yeah, so I have a program called High Impact Coach. And just like everything, it starts with mindset. And then it starts with mentorship. So step two is get the mindset framed, right? What do I want? Who do I want to be known by? And how do I want to serve? Everything in life, even when you make new friends and you have a friend that you're starting to get friendly with, you have to teach them how to teach you, to treat right. you. And coaches need to do the same. 
I see so many coaches getting run into the ground, pushed down, chasing this, chasing that, joining this challenge. It's great to learn, but not just shelf knowledge. Mm -hmm. You need to learn and earn. So the steps that I take coaches through is one, establish what you want, get your mindset straight. Two, let's get some mentorship and guidance. Let's align with what you want to do with what you know will work for you. Somebody can somebody can model me, right? They do it all the time. There's you see so many coaches out there, which I call rethought leaders, just modeling somebody else's stuff. <laughs> and they're just regurgitating what they see. And they're like, this person just made 50 million doing this. I'm gonna do the same thing. And they can't even crack 200,000 with it because it wasn't congruent to them and they didn't put it into them. Mm-hmm. They didn't match what they wanted with that marketing plan, right? Not being themselves. Yeah. So they lose. So step two is mentorship. Let's do what you need to get this done. Not everybody wants to do a podcast. Not everybody wants to have a Facebook group. Not everybody wants to post on social media. So you find out where your strengths are and you hone them in. Think about this right now, even from what you do, right? When a designer is really good at something, then they should harness that and share it with the world. Look at when Lady Gaga came out. Right. People were freaking out. What the heck's wrong with this lady? I think she's one of the smartest entrepreneurs in the business. Mm-hmm. I don't know about her money and what she makes, but she, she branded herself. She went after what she wants. She didn't let anyone stop them. And she went for it. And now some of my favorite songs, I love the movie she was in. A couple of movies she's been in have been great. And she did what, what she wanted, right? She stepped into who she was going to be and went for it. And we've all done it. Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. He didn't let anybody stop him. Right. And that was a time where it was that was the weirdo, right? Queen came out of nowhere. And still to this day, one of my favorite, I, I even asked on a scale of one to Freddie Mercury, how great are you when they fill out their forms on my online site, right? Mm-hmm. I want to know if you're going to step into your greatness or you're going to copy someone else's. Mm-hmm. No. So the success we have with our coaches is 100% because we take them on a path that they can sustain. Like, good example. I'm trying to rip down 20 pounds. I go and see the personal trainer and he's like, okay, this is an IWBBF personal bodybuilder, gold Olympia winner. He says, let's build something that you'll actually do. Right. I said, all right, bro, I'm going to have a bourbon every weekend. Are you good with that? He's like, yeah. He's like, okay, here's how we're going to compensate for that. You can have your bourbon on Thursday night. You can have one on Saturday. And you're going to eat this during the week. Are you good with that? I'm good with that. Okay. <laughs> what kind of cardio you want to do this? And he's like, okay. We're going to do one whole day of that called the HIT program because I can sustain it, right? You can't be a coach for the short method, right? You got to have the long haul, the long game. You have to know that you're going to show up and play We Are the Champions every concert, every month, every single month of the year because that's who you are. That's who you are. And then it's also you have the heart for who you want to serve when you pinpoint who you are in your mission. I have to say, Thank you so much for all that you've shared with me today. And I um, look forward to the next time that we're going to get together because you are a wealth of knowledge and I'm grateful. So, Yeah, I'm grateful for having me on the show today. I look forward to all the releases. And now guess who's subscribing to your channel? Hey, back at you. My first mentor shared a insight with me and he kept saying, this was a sales coach, right? This was the first time I actually paid a top dollar for a coach to come in to help me improve my sale line. 
And he said, you keep blaming all these leads. You have more excuses about what's happening with this pipeline of yours than anyone I've ever met. And I'm like, I'm like, P.S. And he's like, yes. And I'm going to quit. And I'm like, what? And he goes, you make too many excuses. I'm going to quit. And he said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to hang up the phone with me and I want you to call your mom. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I want you to call your mom, tell her what you do, and tell her you need her to refer you to a couple of friends. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. My mom doesn't know anyone. I'm on. My mom's a recovering drug addict. None of her uh-huh. friends, blah, 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 blah. I told him the whole story. And he goes, okay, another excuse you just made. So hang up and call your mom or I quit. Mm. <laughs> so I call my mom. I tell her what I'm doing. And she goes, oh, my gosh, do you remember Harry? You grew up with him? His kid was whacked out. You guys went to Juvenile Hall. You were in Juvenile Hall together. She tells this long story like my mom always does. She goes, his dad runs this company, and he needs someone just like you. And I'm like, no freaking way. No freaking way. She goes, oh, yeah, I'll reach out to him. We still we still uh, share Christmas cards and all this stuff every year. And I'm like, all right, give him a call. So I hang up, and I, I wait like 10 minutes. So I'm like, that freaking asshole. And I call the sales coach back. He's like, so what happened? I'm like, I got a lead. <laughs> He's like, stop making excuses and get back to work. And I was like, damn, dude. And that year, that lead led to two other companies that literally cracked me over six figures off those three leads. Just oh. those three alone. So it's the excuses that always get in our way, right? And when someone can see right through you and know that that's the pain that you're experiencing and that's what's stopping you from having what you want, mm-hmm. that's what's good for mentors. Exactly. Because that's going to push you to where you want to be. And that's, yep. what, that's what your job is. And if you really want to go the direction that you have in your heart, you're going to put yourself around people who are going to push you to do that. 